Welcome to our Painesville Assembly of God podcast. Our desire is to connect people to a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. If this message touches your heart, we'd love to hear about it. Email us at info at or visit PainesvilleAG.com. We pray that this message will be an encouragement to your faith. Good morning. How are you? We are Tim and Nicole Strange, and yes, we are the strange missionaries, the strangest ones you'll ever meet, (laughs) and um, hopefully you'll never forget us after you learn our name. Um, We are very excited to be with you today. This is my first time here at your church, and um, I think that if any of you were here 12 years ago or so, you might remember my husband. He was here, and when he came 12 years ago, he was single. And now we've been married almost nine years, and we have Francesca, who is 21, getting married next month. She's a senior at Southwestern Assemblies of God University, marrying another missionary kid who was born and raised in South Africa. And Tim, no, Gianna, whoo, yes, I did not have coffee. Um, Gianna is 19. She is a sophomore at Southwestern Assemblies of God University. Okay, now did any of you have coffee and figure out the math? Oh, there's a couple smiles out there. So, when we met, I was a widowed single mom going to Honduras with my, oh gosh, what were they? Seven and nine. My girls were seven and nine. I had been in ministry with my first husband in New Jersey, and he passed away after we'd been married for 10 years. And shortly after that, the Lord renewed his call in my life to be a missionary and said, now you'll go. I'm like, wow, okay, that is weird timing, Lord, but okay, we know that his ways are not our ways, and some things we're just never going to understand. So at the age of 40, I sold our home, packed everything up, and moved my girls to Honduras right after they had had a coup. And I worked in ministry there under another missionary for two and a half years. And in that process, you all helped boost and send out a single guy who had been in El Salvador for a couple years. And then he was headed to Costa Rica. So I want to say thank you because you sent me a husband. I was in Honduras serving alone and very lonely. And I prayed for a friend. And don't you know, God never answers your prayers exactly the way you ask. He answers the way you need. And he sent me a husband. And he sent me this crazy jungle missionary husband who always has a pocket knife whenever something's needed. And these knives have all kinds of tools in them. I don't understand any of it. And um, he loves to cook. He's an amazing dad and an amazing husband, and we have been having a blast. And so I just want to share with you that God is good. God is amazing. It hasn't been easy, but boy, I wouldn't trade it for anything. And it has just been quite the strange ride for almost nine years now. Um, We do have a table set up in the foyer before I forget. We have our prayer cards. Please take one. And also we have brochures about our ministry so that you can learn a little bit more and see some of the pictures of the beautiful people we work with on the reserves. As missionaries, we have two accounts that need to be filled before we can go back to Costa Rica. The first one and most vital is prayer. Our prayer account has to be full. We need prayer partners. Our second account is finances. We're at 88% of 
our monthly budget. We are looking and praying for 26 more people to join our team at $50 a month. So as you pray, will you pray that people will jump on board with us and support us financially and that we will get back to Costa Rica before the end of this year? Our hearts want to be there. Our hearts are on the reserves with the people who have never heard the name of Jesus and with our church plant. But we know that the Lord has us here because you need to hear what's going on in Costa Rica and that God is good and he's doing amazing things around the world. And one last thing before I turn it over to Tim. I don't want to ever forget to give all the glory and all the honor and thanks to my Lord because during this last term of our four years in Costa Rica, I became very, very ill. And in 2018, I was diagnosed with fibromyalgia. It was very difficult, very painful. If you've not been familiar with that, it's a chronic pain disease and it's very crippling. And I wasn't able to do a lot many times. But we continued in ministry anyway because we know that the Lord, when he calls, he doesn't call just when the circumstances and things look good and feel good. His call is through everything in spite of circumstances, in spite of pain, in spite of trials, and that he is with us through the storm. He is with us through the trials and the circumstances. And so we continue to minister to him a lot more than me at times. Many times I, when I would go with him, I would still be in pain and I would do what I could, but I was present and I was with the people. And then last year, right before the whole world shut down in a pandemic, we were in a church service with a team from the U.S. We were in this little tiny church in Costa Rica on the reserve where we work. And then the first worship song, just as I stood there and raised my hands, worshiping the Lord, pressing through, not thinking about fibromyalgia, Jesus divinely touched me and healed me and set me free from pain. And it is, it is so incredible. To know that our God can heal diseases that have no cure. There is no earthly cure. They don't know what causes it. They don't know how to fix it. They just know how to medicate and mask over the pain. But Jesus goes to the source and he removes it all. And he has set me free. And I give the glory to him. Because what is impossible with man is, is totally, completely possible with God. So whatever you face today, no matter how impossible, no matter how discouraging, know that Jesus is greater. He is more than able. He's willing and he wants to. Just reach out to him today. Oh, and, and one last thing. We have coffee at our table, and we have these beautiful bags that are made by a Guaymi lady on the reserve, and I have jewelry for a donation to our ministry. You're welcome to take something with you. And for the coffee, it's um, there's half-pound bags and whole-pound bags. Just come and see me after service, and um, I'll hook you up, okay? Wow. I get to follow her. I'll say it backwards. Wow. Some of you guys will get that later. You know, God is good. Friends, can I tell you, through the thick and thin of it, through the good and the bad, God is good. You know, we serve in Costa Rica, and, and here's the great thing. Twelve years ago, I, I stood on this platform, and I shared about God's burden that he put in my heart for Costa Rica. And I remember a group of Teen Challenge guys over here. Who are they going to be here later? Not the same group of guys. But I want you to know, God has got a great plan, far beyond what we can think and imagine. Not just for them, but for us individually. You see, I got to Costa Rica all those years ago, and I thought I had a plan until God changed my direction. How many think when God changed your direction? How many thankful that when you dream big, God dreams bigger? If you dream something that's possible, that's not God. He wants you to dream the impossible. He wants to work a miracle in your life. You know, so we work out 
in Costa Rica, down on the reserves, down near Panama, with the Guayami Indians. And for years, we were with the Guayami Indians, the Bribri, and the Quebecer. You know, how many guys would want to go to Costa Rica with me today? I see that hand. You know, I see that hand. No, I'm not giving it all to call right now, but let me take you really quick to Costa Rica. Watch this clip with me. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John into their language, wrote some hymns, and they went home. The Guayami couldn't read and write, and it was lost among them. The gospel was lost because it wasn't taught. And there was a great darkness that fell among them. And all of a sudden, people realized, hey, what about this group down near Panama that goes back and forth across the border? Are they valued? Does Jesus love them? And the question always came back, yes, they love them. Yes, he loves them, but why don't we? Why aren't we working among them? And so gradually, people start working among them. And through a series of events, God led us to them last term. And walked on the reserve, and we looked for a people of peace and found two. One was Pastor Juan, one was Pastor Coulter. It was just amazing what was happening among them. And I don't know about y'all, but... I learned to love my friends over food. How many of you guys love food? If your hand's not raised, there's something wrong with you people. You see, I don't know about y'all, but when I was growing up, my daddy uh, would sit at, dinner, at a dinner table and my mom would fix something I didn't like and he'd say, eat it. It's one meal out of the rest of your life. And so I learned to eat just about everything that's put in front of me. I don't turn it down, but I learned to love people through eating their food. And through rice and beans and tepesquintile, a big giant rat, I learned to love the Guaymi Indians. I want to frame my thoughts around the great dinner party. You guys remember the great dinner party in scripture? I always imagine myself sitting among the Pharisees when Jesus confronts them and shares his prayer. But watch this clip with me this morning as we, wa- as we visit with the Pharisees. When one of those at the table with him heard this, he said to Jesus, Blessed is the one who will eat at the feast in the kingdom of God. Jesus replied, A certain man was preparing a great banquet and invited many guests. At the time of the banquet, he sent his servant to tell those who had been invited, Come, for everything is now ready. But they all alike began to make excuses. The first said, 
I have just bought a field, and I must go and see it. Please excuse me. Another said, I have just bought five yoke of oxen, and I'm on my way to try them out. Please excuse me. Still another said, I just got married, so I can't come. The servant came back and reported this to his master. Then the owner of the house became angry and ordered his servant, Go out quickly into the streets and alleys of the town and bring in the poor, the crippled, the blind and the lame. Sir, the servant said, what you ordered has been done, but there is still room. Then the master told his servant, Go out to the roads and country lanes and compel them to come in, so that my house will be full. I tell you, not one of those who were invited will get a taste of my banquet. Isn't it amazing when we look at the imagery of the banquet, that a feast that was prepared for everybody who was invited, and they all refused to come, and here are the poor, the crippled, the lame coming in. I'm thankful I'm one of those today. I'm thankful that, that I read my scripture, I read my Bible, and I'm one of those whosoever's. And so, the, the why me are those whosoever? You see, they can walk in the villages and towns of San Vito and Paso Canoas and Sierra Nelly, and they can spend their money, but the shopkeepers want them out as fast as they can go. Don't stick around, just give me your money. They're not valued for anything. You'll see them begging on the streets sometimes in San Jose, and people pass them by without a second glance. And you wonder, what causes them to sit here and beg? And you think, does Jesus value them? Yes. And so oftentimes, Nicole or I have stopped and talked with them and asked them some questions. And oftentimes, we're met with, leave me alone. You don't care. So you look at the scriptures today, and you think about that just passage. And the first guy said, I just bought a piece of property I got to go check it out. Did that guy buy it off Zillow? Did he buy it online? Who buys property without ever seeing it? This next guy, he bought five teams of oxen. Doesn't even know they can plow a straight line. He's got to go check them out, but he paid for them already. Next stop was Earl Schreiber for a new paint job, I guess. I don't know. It doesn't make sense. And the last guy, I got to go with my wife. I just got married. All the ladies are like, oh, so romantic. He cares about his wife. No. He just didn't want to go to the party. He didn't even say, sin my regrets. He used his wife as an excuse, as the male chauvinist would do in that time frame. So he's sitting there, and you're thinking, what in the world? Why? It's because they didn't understand what the master was offering. Even though he accepted the invite, and then finally reneged, they had no idea what the master was offering his, the people. And so the master sent out, and that's where we're out among the Guaymi Indians. You see, between Panama and Costa Rica is about 330,000 of them. Costa Rica is about 35,000. And most of them can't read and write. They don't know who Jesus is. And so on the reserve, we start working with a couple churches, one in La Casona and one in Las Vegas. And what happens in Vegas doesn't stay in Vegas, folks. And so among the Guaymi and La Casona, we start working with a pioneer discipleship and gave them audio Bibles and started working with them on a weekly basis and asked Pastor Juan, ¿Dónde están los niños? I said, Pastor Juan, where are the kids? And he said, well, uh, Tim, they're out on the soccer field. They're not important. Oh, my goodness. I said, Pastor Juan, no, no. Jesus said, unless you have faith like a child. 
And he also let little children come unto me and started, started working with them. So on that little video clip, there was construction going on at his church. We rebuilt their fellowship hall because you could put your hand through the post. The termites had eaten it so bad. And so there were three kids in that church. And by the time we had rebuilt, or 30 kids were coming on a Sunday morning for discipleship, who Jesus really was. Why? Because we reached the kids... They in turn bring their parents to church, and in turn, they become, they know who Jesus is, and their culture changes. You change culture one life at a time through Jesus Christ. And so, it was amazing what was happening among them. And so, all of a sudden, kids start coming out of the woodwork. What do you do with them? They're meeting underneath the trees, four or five different Sunday school classes. The church was growing because Pastor Wong caught a vision that kids were important to Jesus. So they should be important for him. And so it was just amazing what was happening. And down in Las Vegas, same thing, we started discipleship. And one Sunday morning, I was preaching to a group just like this one. And a little old lady, Victoria, came up to me. Abuela Victoria, grandma, came up to me and said... Timoteo, yo quiero estar en discipulado, pero no puedo leer. Tim, I want to be in discipleship, but I can't read and write. How can you help me? How can I be in discipleship? Do you remember that? Do you remember not being able to read and write? Do you remember when you started learning? You know, how do you disciple somebody who can't read and write? Well, we did it with our kids, didn't we? We do it in children's church now. We do it in rainbows. And so you start pantomiming things. Fork, spoon, what? Kitty cat. Pet the kitty cat. Don't shave the kitty cat. But we do it. Well, that's how we teach our kids. So we started doing that with the adults. And so I gave Victoria an audio Bible just like this. Why? Because the word of God says in Romans, faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. And so Victoria, she lives in Alto Nuevo Arriba, two and a half hour hike up the mountain from, from Las Vegas. And she walked home that day. And she sat on her back porch and she pressed play. And she started listening to Matthew chapter 1. Her daughters started joining her and they started listening. And every day, the village chief, Katarino, who's also the drunk, would come by and he'd check on everybody in the village. And he'd ask questions like, how you doing? And he'd hear poetry. You ever think the word of God is poetry? And so he was listening to poetry every day. And he got, walked by one day and he heard something that really peaked his interest. He stopped. And he shook the chain on the gate and said, upe, upe. And Victoria said, come on in. And he came up and sat with Victoria and listened to John chapter 3. Do you remember the first time you read John chapter 3 or heard John chapter 3? Do you remember it? So he listened to it, and he got to the end of it, and he said, rewind it, rewind it. So she rewound it. Heard it a second time. Heard it a second time, and at the end of it, rewind it, rewind it. Got into the third time through, and John 3.16, for God so loved the world, he sent his only begotten son. And the verse right after that, he did not send his son to the world to condemn the world, that the world might be saved through him. And he stopped, and he looked at Victoria and said, I don't know what that is, but I want it. I want what, this, what that thing is talking about. And Victoria led him in the sinner's prayer that day, her version of it, and he dropped his whiskey bottle at her house. I never picked it back up. The power of the gospel to change lives. You see, I call this not just an audio Bible, I call it an IED because this is the light of God. And where the light happens, what? Darkness must flee, it explodes on the scene. And so here it is. A couple weeks later, I'm back in, in Las Vegas, and Victoria comes up to me and shares that story with me. 
And she says, Tim, I have one more question for you. When you come to my village to start a church, what would you do if you're asked that question? What would you, what would you do if, if Pastor Aaron said, hey, would you start a small group? Hey, would you work in Royal Rangers or Missionettes? Uh, I'm not scared of kids. That's okay, they're scared of you too. But, but work, do something. And so uh, Victoria looked at me and said, when are you going to start a church in my village? And so I looked at Recalter and my pastor friend. I said, when do you want to do it? He said, let's go now. So we went back to his house, had rice and beans, and got in our speed light vehicle. It's a two, and so we have a 2003 Toyota 4Runner, and it's at better days. Drove it up the mountain, four and a half, uh, takes an hour and a half to drive up four wheel low. All right, she walks it two and a half hours. I can come down that mountain pretty fast. This fat boy can roll, but hiking it up, no thank you. But we got up to her, her house and we sat down on her porch and pressed play and started talking and listening to scripture. And we asked simple questions like this. What did you like about that passage? What didn't you like? What did Jesus do? How does that affect you? And who are you going to tell that story to? So we just kept asking those questions and every week the church would grow. Went from 13, 7 to 13 to 30 people. We moved to Catarino's house, the village chief, the village drunk, at his house, and started meeting on a weekly basis with 30 people every Saturday at 2 o'clock. Moved to the one-room schoolhouse because it grew too big. God is good, friends. You see, it's amazing what happens if you just take a chance. And Victoria, the only believer in her community, says, Tim, when you kind of come and plant a church? I just led one more, so she wasn't the only one anymore. Come plant a church. Do something for Christ in my community. And so we took a group of language school students up with us to that same village. You know, I dropped them off at a cattle corral, and I said, between here and the women's schoolhouse, go and knock on doors. You ever knock on a door before? I said, go knock on a door, ask how they're doing, invite them to the schoolhouse for lunch, and just prayer, prayer, blessing over them. We thought we'd have 35, 40 people show up for lunch. I got up there and we had about 70 people showed up, along with our group of about 50. We made enough food for an army. We had arroz con pollo, chicken and rice, refried beans, potato chips, and coffee. Typical Costa Rican meal, friends. And we served it. And afterwards, I sang, I sang a song in English, we sang a couple songs in Spanish, and we shared the, pair, the story about the woman with the issue of blood. Do you remember that story? Then we asked those same questions I just asked you guys. And no one said a word. They're pretty quiet. And all of a sudden, after about what seemed to me forever, a little old lady in the back stood up, Guaymi lady, and screamed, I don't know anything about this Bible. Tell me more about Jesus. Tell me more about Jesus. Friends, it's all about Jesus. If, we're not, if it's not about Jesus, we're doing it wrong. If, it's not, if what we're doing is not about Jesus, we're doing it wrong. And so... From that day, the church never looked back. And that happened. That happened, friends, three weeks before COVID hit worldwide. That meeting did. What happens when your world gets turned upside down by COVID? We all lived through it here, didn't we? We all masked up. We all social distanced, right? Some of us were afraid to go out of the house. See, in Costa Rica, our curfew was five at night to five in the morning. We can only drive two days a week based on your license plate number. So ours ended on a three. So we could drive on Tuesdays from five to five and on Saturdays. Isn't that crazy? 
Only things were open were grocery stores and hospitals and gas stations. Everything else was shut down nationwide. And so we sat down with Nicole and looked at her. What are we going to do? We're stuck. What happens when a door shuts? If I were to focus on that shut door, I'd never do anything else the rest of my time. I'd focus on that shut door. But you know what? Look for the open door and walk through the open door. You see, friends, that's the principle of, of, of the gospel. We think of it as do's and don'ts. No, no, it's get-to's. You know, and so we look for the open door, and I started looking, looking at all the stuff they're publicizing in the newspaper about the rules and regulations, and I saw a little phrase, essential worker. I wrote myself a letter saying I was an essential worker. <laughs> Write yourself a letter, you're an essential worker. Luke 10.2, pray now, Lord of the harvest, for workers. You guys are essential workers to the harvest. Whether you pray, give, or go, be part of the harvest field. And so I wrote myself a letter. I put a gold foil stamp that I bought for 10 cents on it. I, I took a little embossing thing, embossed it, looked like official letter. It said, Tim Strange is an essential worker. He is a missionary doing humanitarian relief. And we started driving back down everywhere we could go. So we would take food with us because the reserves were locked down. There was chains across the entrance. It said they were closed, don't come in. Don't leave your house. Don't do anything. Stay home, Period. We got permission to enter, and we brought with us food, rice and beans, tuna and noodles, spaghetti sauce. Friends, you haven't lived until you've sat across from somebody and shared the gospel over a plate of tuna and noodles and spaghetti sauce. It'll change the way you view Italian food. If you didn't like it before, you're not going to like it after. But I want you to know, lives were being changed. We would knock on doors. We'd drive up the mountainside, stop at houses, give food away. Pray with people. Share the love of Jesus. And when things started opening up, the church in Alto Nuera Riba grew and grew. And today, they're meeting without us. Pastor Calter and his brother Chino, they're, they're mentoring everybody up there while we're gone. And they're running 50, 60 people up there on a Sunday now in the afternoon. Why? Because the little old lady Victoria asked a crazy missionary Hey, when you come to my village, plant a church. Now there are 50, 50 people in church on a weekly basis. Why? Because there are 25 families up there. They're the ones God called us to. They're the ones that need to hear of his love. Who do you know that needs to hear his love? You know, we talk, we, we talk about the great dinner party. Uh, think about it for a minute. God permits anybody to reject his invitation. Doesn't he? Oh, allows for any excuse, never forces anybody to accept. But to reject God's an insult because God paid a, pricely, a costly price. For God's love overgave his only begotten son. First Peter says what? That we're bought not with gold or silver, but by the precious blood of the spotless lamb. You know, he seemed to be a friend. Others, others are impacted by our decisions. Think about it for a second. My daddy made me eat everything that was put in front of me as a kid. I still eat everything that's put in front of me. Almost. Two things I won't eat, and Nicole knows what they are. And she's never cooked them because she doesn't know how, and I'm really thankful for that. But I want you to know, there's something important we're missing here, is that the great dinner party, we're all going to be there one day. Can you believe that one day? We're going to be all in line 
When the roll is called up yonder, I'll be there. We used to sing that old song. One day, we're all going to be in line, and St. Peter's going to be calling out names. He's going to go, strange? He calls me strange. Not sure what he calls you guys. But he's going to say, strange? Party of one? I would say, no, Peter, um, time out. I, I heard the master wanted his house full, and I heard there's room at the table. So I want you to know I brought the Guaymi Indians with me. I brought the Brevi with me. I brought the Quebecer with me. Luna Victoria is here with me today. And Peter's going to look at me and say, Tim, they've already made the reservations. They've made the reservations. Friends, I don't know about y'all, but I hate dining alone. If it's me by myself, I'll do a drive through I'd rather eat in the car and drive versus go in and sit somewhere. The other day, when Nicole and I were out together, we met, ran some errands, we stopped at a restaurant, ate something really quick, and there was at least eight people dining by themselves. I thought to myself, how lonely is that? I don't want to dine alone in heaven. I want to be at a banquet table full of people that know Jesus because of my life on earth, because I made it worth something. You know, I look back and I can sit there and say, James, because youth pastors like you, I'm there. Not because my dad pastored, but because a youth pastor knocked on my door on a Tuesday afternoon and said, Tim, why aren't you coming to youth group? I said, hey, my dad said I don't have to go if I don't want to. He got in my face and said, come to youth group. I guarantee you, when I get to heaven and I see Pastor Lou across the room, he'll be shocked that I'm there. But I'm there because a youth pastor invested in my life. Who can we invest in today? We used to sing songs, lay some soul upon my heart. And let them touch, let them be touched by you through me. We just sing about bringing in the sheaves. And when I was a kid, I had no idea what a sheave was. But it was about bringing in the harvest, bringing in those who've never heard the gospel before. Because the church believed that, that Jesus was coming. We didn't know when, but we wanted to make sure that people around us knew who he was because he loved them who they are, for who they are, but doesn't want them to stay that way. Friends, that's where he's at today with us. He loves you just where you are, but doesn't want you to stay there. Want you to grow in him. Want you to fulfill the calling he's given for you. Because we look in scripture and it says, go into all the world and preach the gospel. And we think that just refers to missionaries. No, no, it refers to everybody. Because in Acts, in Acts, he said, you will be my witnesses where? In Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts. He's called us to the uttermost and the guttermost, friends. That's where we're at. But where's your Jerusalem? Where's your Judea? Where's your Samaria? For, for y'all here in Painesville, I'm not sure Samaria either could be Pittsburgh or Cleveland. If you're a Steelers fan or a Browns fan, you know, I'm telling you, guys, you have to know where your Samaria is, where God will call you to, the hard places, the easy places, where someone's previously sown that we might reap the harvest and a soul might be saved. Friends, we must be about our Father's business. I want to share with you one last story. You see, right now, there's a mountain church that has six people in it, in Via Palacios. And that church says, it's us six and no, no more. We don't want anybody else in our church. And when they die, the church is dead because they don't see the value of reaching out and bringing in the sheaves, bringing in the harvest. And I've walked, I've talked with them, and I've been up there and I want to do an outreach. And the, the pastor up there said, oh, we, didn't, we didn't plan to do that outreach, we just talked about that outreach. 
One day that church will die. That, that, that building will be empty because they have no vision to reach the lost. They have no vision to touch somebody and say, hey, Jesus loves you just as you are, but he doesn't want you to stay that way. Let me tell you about him. Because you know why, friends? Revelation says this, they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. Friends, it's not about telling them about the do's and don'ts. It's about telling them what God did in your life before and after. In Costa Rica, we're there to tell them about how Jesus touched us, our before and after, and how their current circumstances can be there before and there's a greater life after. Because Jesus loves them, died just for them, just like he died for you and I. Victoria's waiting for us to get back because she's already wanting us to plant another church in another village. Because she takes her proclaimer and goes and listens at somebody else's house now and says, let me tell you about the man I love. His name is Jesus. Friends, would you stand with me, please, today? I'd love to say a prayer with you and over you. I want you to know that God has a purpose and plan far beyond we can think and imagine. I want you to know that, that Painesville has not seen the harvest yet that he has because there's a greater harvest yet to come. And COVID might have sifted the church but it's only preparing the church for the greater harvest. We must get to the harvest field and reach those who have yet heard and bring back those who have fallen away. Let's pray today. Our Father and God, we thank you for this great service. Lord, we thank you for time to worship and praise you in spirit and truth. Lord, we ask that you put in our spirit in our hearts the spirit of urgency to reach those around us with your love that you would lay some soul in our heart, somebody we know, whether it be a relative, a friend, an enemy, that you would bring to our mind and put them in our heart daily that we might talk with them about your love. Bless as, us as we go out today into the harvest field. We thank you in your name we pray. Amen. James, would you please come? Tim and Nicole are going to be out in the foyer at their table, and I would encourage you this morning that before you leave, that you would go and stop by and greet them, visit with them, take a prayer card and, and pray over them. But before we close out our service um, with a song of worship, I just want to uh, ask you a couple of questions. And the first is this, do you know Jesus? This Jesus that Tim was talking about and and sharing with, because he has the power and the ability to change and transform your life. He does. And, and so if you've come to church this morning because uh, you just felt like you should be here, but you don't know, you don't have a relationship with Jesus, uh, I want to encourage you, talk to somebody today. Talk to Tim, talk to myself. Um, in a minute, we're going to have our prayer team come down here. And if you want to come and talk to somebody about Jesus, we'd love to share with you. And the second is this. Who are you going to invite to that banquet? Who, who are you going to invite? Who, who, who's coming with you? Who, who are you bringing to the banquet table? Church, it should be unacceptable for us that anyone in Painesville die and go to hell without an invitation from somebody from our church. It should be unacceptable for us that somebody in Painesville, our city, die and go to hell without an invitation 
to the banquet table. Why? Because Jesus died for every single one. For the least of these. The poor, the sick, the lame, the dejected, the outcast, those with depression, those who've lost their jobs, those who other people might forget about or turn away from. Those are who Jesus died for. Those are who Jesus surrendered his life, laid it down. He said, no one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. He has laid his life down for those. So who are you bringing with you? Who, who are you inviting to the banquet table? Let's let there be no empty seats at that table. I'm going to pray now, and, and if you need prayer for whatever reason, maybe you want to surrender your life to Jesus for the first time. Maybe you want to come back to Jesus. Maybe you just want somebody to agree in prayer with you over a situation you're facing, or because you want the faith and the courage that it takes to offer that invitation to a friend, to a family member, to somebody who maybe you don't even haven't even met yet, but you've seen, and, and as Tim has been talking, that the Lord has just placed their face in your heart. And you want to offer them an invitation, but maybe you don't know how, or maybe you just want somebody to agree in prayer with you. We're going to uh, have an opportunity to pray over you. And so I'm going to pray, and the worship team is going to lead us in a song. And then if you would like prayer, would you just come and let us pray over you? Let's pray this morning. Dear gracious Heavenly Father, we're so thankful. That the places at your table are open to everyone. Lord, that you don't turn anyone away who would come before you with open hands and say, I want a seat at your table. You don't turn us away because we're not rich enough, popular enough. You don't turn us away because... We don't drive the right car or we don't say the right things or we don't hang around the right people. Lord, your invitation is open. Whosoever will, come. I'm so thankful for that, Lord. Because of that, I have a seat at your table. Help me. Be with me. Give me the faith, the courage, and the strength to invite others to the table alongside me so that they can be with you also. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. We pray that you're encouraged by this message. For more information about Painesville Assembly of God, visit PainesvilleAG.com.